You're listening to the Common Sense Show. If you've just started a new business, or if you're just thinking about it, this podcast is for you. Micah Logan has a stellar track record coaching small businesses to achieve six-figure revenue streams. The advice on this show is what has allowed him to have over 15 years of experience as an entrepreneur. Here is your host, Micah Logan. What's up, everybody? You are uh, you're listening to us uh, somewhere, somehow, some podcast. It's uh, myself, Billy Hofacker, and Micah Logan, and uh, I am the host of Your Fitness Money Coach podcast. He is the host of Common the Common Sense podcast, the Common Sense Show, Billy. Common Sense Show, of course, one of my favorites, and then also uh, he's the franchise or of uh, of Meld Fitness, which I'm sure we'll talk. Did I say that correctly? Yes, she did. Yeah. Okay, cool. Great. We decided to, to just share a beer. Uh, actually, not really a beer. It's a protein shake and a couple of bottles of water and an apple. Uh, but either and way. Some vitamin, <laughs> some vitamin D and omegas on my desk, too. <laughs> there we go. I'll just set the stage a little bit for <laughs> folks listening. I had Micah on my podcast just once so far, right? We've, we've, we've yeah. spoken a bunch of times, but only once recorded on the podcast. Really good conversations. Mm-hmm. I'm not just saying this. If you uh, listen to me, you know, I don't say this about everybody, uh, but I really, really enjoy our conversations. I enjoy all the conversations, but I really, really enjoyed conversations with Micah. I've got to know him personally, just a really good dude. Uh, lots of similar values, got a great perspective on things. And, uh, and he, and I was also on his podcast, uh, but today we're going to just dive into a few topics that we just thought would really uh, add value to you. We hope they do. Uh, they, they're going to be a little bit different than what we talked about before. Uh, so we're excited to uh, dive in. Micah, what'd you want to, what'd you want to say? No, that's it. You know, I'm, I'm excited for this kind of co-branded uh, podcast and this podcast, just to remind everyone listening, this is going to be posted on both the common sense show uh, channels, the YouTube channel and the audio version. And um, it's going to be posted on your podcast channel as well. So um, they'll be able to see uh, both of these and hear both of them and wherever they find their podcast. So I'm excited for the live content. I haven't posted just so you know, I thought I would put this disclaimer in there. I haven't posted a podcast episode for about a month or so because uh, maybe a month and a half, because I've been taking a break because I got overwhelmed with a bunch of stuff that was happening. So, mm-hmm. you know, like anything, yeah. you have to just take a break and reset. And that's what I did. So this is going to be my first podcast back from that break. So I'm excited about just diving into it. Nice. There's a lesson there. And that is uh, you can be a perfectionist like myself. And if you miss a week, then you're like quit your whole life and you give up on life or you say, you know what? It happens. I'm human. I get overwhelmed. Uh, so I appreciate you sharing that. And just, I think there's a good lesson there. It's, it's really what you do most of the time for uh, the you know a long period of time. Uh, so I, I just love that. And I'm excited to be the, be on there with you. Uh, but I, I was thinking about, I, I think I, I try to kind of have a good balance when it comes to preparing for the podcast. I know some people, they like will spend hours and hours and they'll make all these notes and they'll do all this research and then other people totally wing it. Um, I, I, I lean more towards winging it in the sense that I like it to be real casual. But at the same time, I do uh, put some time, thought, prayer into uh, the episodes because I'll speak for Micah on this. We take it seriously. This is, uh, you know, this is an intimate setting. You're listening to us and uh, you're giving us the most valuable thing you have, which is your time. Uh, so we want to make it count. We want to make sure we're delivering value. So 
all that to say that uh, I saw an article posted and I went to go back and I couldn't find it. So we'll uh, try to share a link on that. Uh, but I know, Michael, you just wrote an article for, uh, for Club Industry, I believe. And it was about either the mistakes for entrepreneurs or, or common mistakes or new entrepreneurs. Do you just tell us a little bit about that kind of uh, the, the, the behind the scenes on that? Yeah, so I, I, as you mentioned, I wrote the article for Club Industry Magazine and um, Club Industry is really, you know, one of the top journals, um, you know, in the fitness business uh, between Club Industry and, you know, um, for fitness professionals directly, um, PFP, but then you have some other ones. And um, they, they contacted me and gave me the opportunity to write an article of my choice. And I wrote one on the, the five mistakes that fitness business entrepreneurs make when they're starting a business. And well, actually not when starting a business, just in general, what they make and what I've heard expressed from fitness business owners and my observation of fitness business owners and what mistakes they make. And so what I listed there were basically the, what account, what amounts to the top five mistakes that I've, I've observed people make. And it includes things like mistakes with marketing and um, how they're not, how within that framework, they're not delivering their brand message appropriately. It includes uh, information about um, how to actually uh, craft the narrative of, of, the, of the brand message. Uh, other mistakes that uh, they make is not getting help when they need it and where they can get that help from, and, you know, stuff like this. So real tangible stuff that, that can be used the next day. And, uh, you know, and so far from what I understand, it's gotten pretty good reviews, um, and the information that was in the article was uh, was well received. So I'm happy about that. Nice. So these mistakes uh, are they mistakes that you made that you learned from, or that you've you've seen in uh, other other businesses? Yeah, they are, and uh, I'm just gonna pull it up here because I've written a bunch of articles for a bunch of yeah. different um, a bunch of different like, places, but. While, while you're looking, I, I can dive into one of those that jumped out at me. I mean, they all really jumped out, but one in particular, which I, I guess I could relate to, and I'm certain that this will be really easy to grasp for people, and that is not getting help. Uh, why should I get help? I, I know everything. I can do it. My, I can do it better than anybody. It, it, it's, it's interesting because I'm actually reading. This is slight, slightly embarrassing, but I am reading for the first time in my life, rich dad, poor dad. And oh, wow. like decades. And it's just one of those things. I'm like, I don't need to read that. Cause it's like, so old school. It's like, everybody knows what it says. So but I yeah. always find that to be a mistake because there's always these nuggets that you'll get. And he, he talks about that being like, just really a fatal mistake. Uh, and it's a balance, right? Because part there's some good in that, right? Like being able to pull yourself up by your bootstraps and, and, and get it done and that kind of thing. And I think, you know, that is, there is value there, uh, but too much of that. And, and it's a huge mistake. Uh, so what were your thoughts behind that one? Yeah. Um, so rich pet, rich dad, poor dad to me was transformational in, in how I look at assets versus liabilities Mm -hmm. um, so when some people I hear recount what they learned from rich dad, poor dad, a lot of it has to do with what's considered an asset and a liability. When I read it, what I thought about, it, it was really the introduction to me to how to view money, like the mindset behind viewing money, where you spend your money and how much time you spend 
engaging in building assets versus liabilities. To me, that's a real theme of the book, which is if you're going to spend time and money in life in general, you should, you should make it count. And every single thing that you do should either be going towards building up things that can pay you an income and become an asset for you or reducing things that could cost you money and affect how much money that you're already bringing in, whether you have a job or whether you're actually a business owner. Um, and so, so, so that to me was the primary lesson from the book, which was, you know what, I really need to refocus my mind on. And, and I, it's, there are a couple of books I read every single year as a business owner. And I think that are important to read. One of them is Rich Dad, Poor Dad. One of them is The E-Myth. Mm-hmm. Those those are like two crucial books to read on an annual basis in my mind. And it just kind of reinforces those ideas um, that you have. And of course, I, I suggest reading other books as well. Um, but business strategy books are really important to try to figure out. But if you're trying to build wealth, building building your asset base is really, building your asset base that produces income is really important, especially if you're looking at early retirement, right? I think yeah. a, lot of peop- a lot of people are thinking about retiring early. But what they don't realize is that they need to, in order to retire early, there has to be some assets that produce income for you. I like that. I'll share uh, some some thoughts on that. So uh, I'm terrible at rereading books, but I will say that I agree with that. And uh, E-Myth, I've read a couple of times, and that's a whole other talk on that. And then yeah. I, do need, I do need to read that again. So uh, thank you for that. And uh, Good to Great is, is my yearly read. Oh, Good to Great. Uh, okay. that, um, that I, I just, that's, that's the one I've been consistent with. And assets versus liabilities, yeah, the big one to me on that was that he talks a lot about was the house. You know, people think their house is an asset, and it is. I mean, you can't lie. The house, the equity in your house is an asset on your balance sheet. And I think, you know, that can get taken out of context. Uh, What he's saying is it's not uh, producing uh, income that you can buy things with unless it's a a rental or something like that. All the the costs that are associated with buying a house that people uh, don't account for. Uh, I, if you, if you're somebody who has not bought a house yet, I think it's, especially now with the prices, it's just a really important topic is that's going to be your largest expense, most likely. And right. if all of your money is tied up in your house, which it is for so many people, it becomes next to impossible to, to build wealth. And there are certain uh, kind of guidelines on how much percentage uh, goes towards the house and, and that kind of thing. But I agree. It's super valuable. Uh, and then the last thing I want to point out there that everybody's different. I find myself as I'm reading it, uh, thinking about my own uh, kind of uh, values and principles and all that kind of stuff. And, and that's just the risk tolerance. He talks and he talks about that. You know, if you, you know, if he's very, uh, he's very direct for lack of a better word. And it's like, you know, one side of the coin is if you're not willing to take, take risk, uh, you're just playing not to lose and you're never going to make it. Um, so just figuring out for you, you know, what you're comfortable in terms of risk, everybody's different in terms of their, uh, terms of that. But if the truth is, if you're not willing to take a lot of risk financially, which I kind of put myself in that, in that boat, then you're going to need to start early and you're going to need to be consistent. There's no way, unless you're very intentional, uh, about, uh, about investing, uh, saving and investing, uh, early for a long time that's, that's going to, unless you're making, uh, you know, millions and millions of dollars, it's going to be really difficult. So uh, just this was an interesting there. one for me because, you know, I kind of taken the approach where I guess over the years I could have gone down the route of, um, you know, <clears throat> investing in a bunch of real estate 
and becoming a landlord and all this other stuff. Mm -hmm. And then when there were opportunities that may have presented themselves, I always thought to myself, you do the math. It's like, so it's on paper. You have a house that's like a 300 and let's call it $50,000 asset, right? Mm -hmm. uh, like, let's say it's a multifamily house. Um, but then you have the mortgage, um, which is not the, was, which is not really the issue. The issue is, is that what you have net after the mortgage and the rent is really what the issue is. So mm -hmm. I always did these calculations. It's like, okay, well, I'm going to get $2,500 a month from this unit. I'm going to get $2,500 a month from this unit. Not bad, right? Five grand. And then this unit, I'm going to get, let's call it $1,000. So $6,000. $6, okay. But my expenses are call them, let's, let's call it, you know, three grand, 3,500 a month. So you're making 2,500 to three grand a month. And so the thing that's always used to stop me was if I just applied this cash somewhere mm -hmm. else for a lot Absolutely. lower money, I could make yeah. 2,500 to three grand a month doing something else with a mm -hmm. lot less risk. And that does not require me to have to call a plumber and go out and, um, you know, and plunge a toilet, collect rent checks and all this other stuff. And so when I think about real estate, I thought I've always through the years thought to myself that it was better, I think, to build businesses than real estate because businesses mm -hmm. will fund it. And then eventually you build it so that your business can that you don't have to work for every every day can yep. fund your real estate goals without you having to go work for it. So that's the difference. Right. So now instead, if I had a business that generated, let's call it eight thousand a month and it could pay all the all those bills. Right. And I didn't have to go work for that $8,000. Well, now you have an asset paying for another asset that's producing income for you without you having the trade time for dollars. And then the second thing I thought to myself was if I can't systematize something and turn it into a business that can produce the highest level income possible, then I don't really want to do it. So yeah, it's not worth it to me, for instance, to buy a three family home because there's a lot of three family homes in like the Boston proper area. Mm -hmm. Um, in the township surrounding, you know, you, there's, you can buy a rental property that has three families in it. That to me is not as exciting as for instance, buying a 25 unit apartment building. Mm -hmm. So if like, you really want to talk about generating income, that's really where the income is generated, right? Like if yeah. you want to generate income on the same level as like a business, yeah. then you want your business to be able to help you afford to buy a 25 unit building. That's going to generate, you know, instead of let's call it six grand a month, that it's going to be generating something approximating 60 to $80,000 a month. Right. So like that's, that to me is where it gets really exciting. Absolutely. It's thinking of your, of the value of your time. You know, if you're spending that time and you're able to generate a, a ton of money with your own job or your own business, uh, then what's the learning curve on being able to become a, a successful, uh, you know, real, real estate investor. Uh, so just so many factors and just, you know, I think, I think, you know, everybody's got to figure out uh, what, what makes sense for them. Uh, from what mm -hmm. I understand, I'm definitely not a real estate expert, but what I understand is unless you're doing a lot of it, like anything else, it's, it's going to be hard to really like you buy one or two. And then, you know, it, what is that really going to do versus what you could do the opportunity cost of that money and your time. And then you look at the, the leverage that, that, that where it really makes sense. It makes sense mathematically when there's a lot of leverage, uh, but, uh, and I'll just kind of go with a simple path here. If you can take that same money and you have a long uh, time horizon, maybe you like your job, but you like working. I believe working is, 
an important part of life and it's part of what makes us who we are and it's part of what we're called to do. So if that's the case, then if I can just take that same money, have uh, not no risk because anything has a risk, uh, but you look at uh, the uh, S&P, uh, you know, 500, it's done 12% uh, over the last 40 years or the total stock market. And that's, uh, you know, it's, I don't, that doesn't look so great now with inflation, uh, but it's, you know, it's zero effort really. It really is. And fr- frankly, investing in index funds over long-term, if you're skittish in the stock market is really the way to go. If mm-hmm. you're like a value investor like Warren Buffett, that's kind of what he basically recommends now for people. Like, mm-hmm. don't try to beat the stock market. You just know it's going to go up over time. Just invest mm-hmm. in index funds. And it's proven that, it, you know, it. Um, I think that, I, I, in fact, I, I believe that the stock market has beat real estate over the last 30 years. So, um, so yeah, that, that's kind of my point uh, is that it beats real estate over the last uh, several decades in terms of, you know, the, the appreciation of real estate. Um, but then, you know, people can make a lot of money if they're willing to take a ton of risk uh, because correct. If, if you're only putting in a small percentage uh, and then, and then, and then, you know, you have to compare that with putting in a lot more of the stock market. So again, it's just like, you know, it's like, what's, what's worth it for you. I, I just like sleeping at night and, uh, and that's, you know, that's, 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 that's how I, how I see it. That's right. So I have the five mistakes here. I was able to pull it up. Um, yep. so the first, first one is being undereducated. Um, second one is wrong location. The third one is unrealistic marketing budget. Fourth one is not understanding your target market. And then the fifth one is failure to get business coaching from a qualified business coach. That's that, awesome. Those were, those were the five. Yeah, I know we have a couple of other topics, but I like that even that first one. I like all of them, but but undereducated. What would you say? Because that's something I hear a lot from clients. Is I started this, and it kind of reminds me of the E myth, which you mentioned. You know, but I, I started this because I really enjoyed uh, you know helping people get fit. I didn't realize there's all this other stuff. Mm-hmm. I mean, what would you say to? that person? I mean, I think that to, you can do business several different ways. You can do it competently or you can do it incompetently. Um, and if you want to build a business that actually works, I think it's important to build a business that works by doing the right things. And the, in order to educate yourself about how to do business so that it works, you have to be able to understand, and this is kind of part, part and parcel of where the coaching comes in. You should understand what's required of a successful business. So oftentimes you hear people say, well, I'm a systems and processes master or expert, or I am an expert in scaling businesses. It's very generic terms, but in order to operate a business, you have to understand more than just how your systems and processes interact with each other, how your, how your, um, how your, your, uh, you know, it, it, not just your systems and processes, but you also have to understand how your your business functions at a holistic level. Because as the founder and CEO of your, of your business, there are so many parts to your business that are critically important to its ultimate success, and and part of that is understanding the interaction of your brand message to your brand delivery system. Um, understanding how much money you need to spend in order to get people into your um, into your your business, understanding um, how much the co- client acquisition costs or the CAC um, is going to cost you, and how that relates to 
client lifetime value? Are those two metrics out of whack? You have to understand also, once those, biz, those um, customers are in your business, how to build a community. I'm reading a book now called The Business of Belonging by, uh, what's his name? Benjamin, uh, David Spinks, excuse me, David Spinks. And, um, you know, the book is okay. Um, but part of the point that it makes in there is that, you know, a lot of the consumer market right now is, is in communities. And really, Apple launched this whole community slash business thing when they developed what they called, I think it was called the user community group, the UCG. And what that was, was the ability for consumers to get together and help each other troubleshoot issues and comment on things that were occurring in the Apple community. And so that kind of bonded people with Apple devices. And I think this is kind of where the, the this was like kind of like a, the predicate to uh, the pretext to them developing, um, you know, all the closed Apple systems. So you're kind of part of the community. And I think this is why their systems are closed because they want it to be us together enjoying Apple products versus having it so open that, um, it, you know, it, it becomes a less exclusive community. And so what they talk about in the book is how the interactions of how you, how you develop, you know, community systems and like bringing that community together and how to improve the quality of that community so that people refer, so that they demonstrate that they love this and they talk about it and they bring people in. So anyways, so that's also a part of doing business. And then the other piece is to do business right, you have to have a website. Well, how does your website look and feel and how does it interact with the client acquisition cost? And um, how often should you email your customers and what should you email them? And you know what should you charge and where should you be located? Like there, there's a lot of finite details within building a business structure that have to be scaffolded to make it work. And then, you know, I, what I find is once I give, I have this stress test that I give to business coaching clients. And this stress test is, is a very detailed, um, you know, document that goes into how, you know, the various pieces of business that need to be stressed, basically. Mm -hmm. And so what I see happening is that people who are engaging in the stress tests find it very difficult to answer questions. They leave a lot of them blank and they haven't considered all of the nuances that are associated with scaffolding their business. And um, so, yeah, so it's not just systems and processes. It's not just trying to figure out, you know, a pretty website or a pretty floor. It's, it's a lot of stuff that's, that's in between there that needs to be addressed. And, and that's kind of where people fall flat, I think. Excellent. This is actually a good segue, uh, especially what you said about community. So the next topic we wanted to hit on was, uh, it might sound a little corny or whatever, but it's really uh, still timely and it's really important. And that's just lessons that uh, we've learned through COVID. And a couple of things I, I thought of that I'll just share uh, and then maybe mm -hmm. get your thoughts on it are, uh, I have two things that I wanted to mention. One is you mentioned community and we, I would say we've always been pretty good at, uh, at, at actually one of our, our core values is uh, a positive family atmosphere. Uh, so we've really been intentional about that, but with, uh, with COVID and we've all realized this goes 
so deep. Uh, this goes to us personally and the importance of community, which I talk, I've talked about several times on my podcast, how we, we, we don't do life alone. We do it together with people. We need that support. There's different kinds of support, uh, but then developing that business uh, through, through that community uh, and, and how is that done? Uh, well, uh, one of the things that I was trying to try to give something real practical, uh, even just growing your business, because one thing, uh, you know, we've been in, we've both been in business a long time. I remember, I remember I was, I was like starting out and my office was in my upstairs, uh, small bedroom. Cause the gym was like so small, there was no room to do any office work. So the right. office was in the home and we had a newborn who's now going to be 11. And this was a spare bedroom. We used it as an office. And we sold 426 Groupons. And I remember the phone in my little spare bedroom, it was ringing off the hook. And mm -hmm. I just had that, this, that awesome thought, like if people only knew what they were calling and what this looked like, you know, but it, 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 it seems so professional. Uh, but then Groupon uh, kind of died. I know it's still there, uh, but it's not the same. It didn't, it didn't produce the same results. Uh, then we had the challenges. I remember 40 people at a clip or more coming in for our challenges. And it was like we were able to print money, it felt like. We had so many people coming in, uh, and then that stopped. Uh, mm. But what's the, thing, what's the thing that never stops? And that's relationships. So one of the things, kind of long-winded, is just really, we could all say it but really doing it, really connecting with people. And it could be as simple as just reaching out, reaching out to the businesses in your community, reaching out to your past clients, even your, of course, your current clients, just reaching out to the people in your, on your social media or in your phone, those same people that are on your social media or that you're trying to reach through Facebook ads, they're the same people that are actually walking around in real life. And a lot of times we, we kind of forget that uh, so just reaching out, getting together, having a coffee. And uh, one thing I've noticed is that it, it's just another reminder of the importance of consistency and just the right attitude, uh, because not everything is going to produce massive results. Uh, you know, I've yep. met with people and it was just a good conversation and, and that was maybe it. Uh, other times uh, people, it's like, it's almost like a jackpot. You know, somebody's like, man, I got this person, this person, this person, I'm sending them to you and I'm doing this. And it's like, wow. Uh, but it took, you know, maybe 10 people to get to that. And just, just really, just really trying to deliver value, uh, seeing things through other people's eyes, which is not natural for us because we uh, just, I think just human nature is kind of think of ourselves, right? Like what, what's in it for me? Right. What am I going to get? But if we can say, and I was sharing this today at a, at a meeting, it's, you know, what, what's going on for them. That might be good for us and that might be easy for us. You know, we're doing like this client challenge and, you know, how can we make it easier for, I mean, there's some place for that, but, but at the end of the day, it's not what's easy for us. It's what's that experience going to be like for them. Cause they're the ones that are, you know, keeping us, keeping us in business. Uh, so I just think uh, that that's the difference with COVID uh, now more than ever. And that was always important. Uh, but now I just think it's, it's just highlighted between uh, different, uh, you know, marketing streams not working as well and just what people really want. I mean, how many people say that, right? I just want, I just want to, yeah. I just want to, I just want to be a part of a group. I just want to be around people, that kind of thing. It's a weird uh, time in fitness. It feels like, because there's no real clear answer like, from what I understand. And uh, you know, I, I work with a marketing firm that works with, basically fitness studios across the country. It's the same thing. 
that there are some concepts coming back slightly faster than other others. Mm-hmm. Um, but in general, I think that client acquisition is slow across the board mm-hmm. uh, for the most part. I mean, Exponential is reporting these massive increases in revenue. Um, well, you know, like anywhere, anywhere between 20 and 40%. Um, but I suspect that a lot of that are people unsuspending themselves to come back. Um, and I, and I question how much client acquisition is actually happening there versus client reactivation, um, mm, which good point. Look, yeah. with COVID, you know, that's really the well you want to be in anyway. Right. Mm-hmm. Which is client reactivation, client retention, um, client acquisition, of course, is important, but I wonder how much that truly is really actually happening. Um, Correct. And, and, and I could be wrong, but, you know, I feel like we're in a weird place where people are, where people still are trying to decide what they want to do actually long-term, but community is, to your point, is a big piece of keeping your business stable. If you can build a community um, that has people engaged that has people wanting to wear your brand, they're asking for it, they pay for swag, they tattoo themselves, like I say in the book. You know, that's how you know that your brand is actually reaching people and you have a good community brand. Very few brands out there can uh, have the ability to do that. But I think in the independent trainer realm, the reason why there's so much engagement there is because of the age bracket. So, you know, as I mentioned to you in previous podcasts, I believe, you know, meld, we work with people like between the ages of 30 and 55, because there's no real central brand that addresses that age group and fitness other than independent shops and trainers. That's where most of the 30 to 55 year old people who train actually go, they go to independent trainers across the country um, versus like one specific, you know, house name brand. Right. Um, and so as a result of that, you know, this is also the group of people who remember an analog world who also live in a digital world. They're in a unique position because they have the ability to work digitally like everyone else, but they also lived in the analog world. So it gives them a, a kind of like a foot in two different places. And so they remember what it was like before. And in that analog world, it was very much a go to the bar, have a face-to-face conversation, meet people and all the other stuff. And so, and so if, you, if you're married and you just want friends, and you're not on Tinder, right? Like, how do you really meet people of like mind and have discussions with them, whether you agree or disagree with what they're saying? At least how do you have discussions with people who are the, that age? It doesn't exist anymore, right? Um, and so I think that for fitness businesses, harping on that piece of bring people together, you know, like, so for us on our website, we call ourselves the cheers of gyms, the cheers of fitness places, because that's what we are. It's a neighborhood place, come together, mm-hmm. have a conversation, you know, and at, and at the beginning, I remember I, I had onboarded this one consultation who was just like, absolutely not interested in meeting other people and blah, blah, blah. But I think it's because she had gotten so used to like this Tinder world, right? But then she gets in. Next thing I know, she doesn't experience the judgment in our community. She experiences support in the community and the humor. And she's laughing. Next thing I know, she tells me, well, guess what? I'm going to get drinks with Steve and Bradley on Saturday. And I was like, that's awesome. It's like, absolutely fantastic. And that's what I want. I want more of that. To me, this is us bringing people together, forming friendships, going out to drinks, whatever the case is. Uh, and and not even, you don't even have to be drinking together, but the point is that you're spending time together. And mm-hmm. that's really what drives 
retention, but it's also really what drives um, your brand. People are going to associate a good time with your brand if they're having a good time with other people who are experiencing your brand at the same level. Uh, yeah. And, and, and I think just as, as a, like a side benefit, it just makes it such a more of a fun business for you as the owner. You get to be a part of this, facilitate, and uh, just connect with people, which uh, we know from the countless studies of happiness and it's not the money that we have in the bank. It's going to be the relationships that we have. And, and if you're leading, leading that in your business, then you're using your gifts that you've been given uh, to really uh, just kind of influence others. And I mean, there's not many things that are more important than that or that are more enjoyable uh, than that. So uh, good stuff, Mike. Like I thought this would uh, kind of go quickly. And uh, I know we just have a couple yeah, minutes I know, left. <laughs> I know you have to go. Yeah. Really, this, uh, but you know, we'll, we'll have to re-rack this again because, you know, we could, we could talk, we talked for two hours last time we talked, but it wasn't recorded. It should have been. Recorded. I know. That would have been I know. amazing. But I know. Cool, man. It was, it was really cool meeting you and seeing some of your family. Um, what, what, let's wrap up. If you're cool with it, you want to just share either a final tip and or uh, ways for people to get in touch. I know, uh, you know, Mel, Mel Fitness is doing big things and uh, it's very, um, we're, we're so similar in terms of, you know, the, the type of work that we uh, enjoy doing and, and how we do it. So um, if that resonates with anybody, they can, they can check it out. Yeah. I look, I would love for you. If, so if you're interested in the fitness industry and you have been, you know, we are a fitness franchise concept that um, is personal training, just like space Billy's in, we do personal training in small groups of up to four members to one coach. Uh, we've built out a model that's very simple and elegant, we call it. And um, it is uh, highly effective in per square foot revenue and, and ROI. And so this is something that can go into any community. We're about community um, from the people who we would bring in to the people who um, are looking to bring their own. And we're looking to, by the end of the year, add at least between one to three franchise locations. So that would be great um, across the U.S. And then, um, you know, we're looking for people who are interested in perhaps pursuing their passion of, of fitness and building communities and making the communities healthier. So that's kind of, kind of what we're looking for. But my final message to people would be, if you don't work on building your dream, you're going to spend your time building somebody else's, right? So you need to really spend time focusing on the things that move the needle and don't get so caught up in what you believe. And I get caught up in this too. Like, honestly, like I'm part of this, I'm, I'm kind of talking to myself too. Like, you know, you can look at people who you suspect are doing the things that you want to do. And it just seems like you'll never catch up. They're running so far ahead of you, but don't get caught up in that. You know, just do what you, just do what you do and um, focus and get help if you need it uh, on your business strategy. And, you know, you can kind of overcome and, you know, keep, keep, uh, keep the carrot out in front of you, man. Like, you know, keep pushing to the next level of, of who you could be and what your potential is. And it's amazing when you look back after years of work, how far you can go, you know? Absolutely. And I'll just share quickly, as far as uh, contact, uh, you can uh, check out the Your Fitness Money Coach podcast and uh, you can check out, uh, I would say just keep it simple, social media, just find me, message me. And what I usually do with people who are interested in coaching is just set up a 15 minute Q&A just to find out what you have going on, see if I could help you uh, on that in terms of financial coaching. And I'm just so passionate about it. I know the difference it makes when you uh, get clarity on your on your finances and your goals, and you're working towards them. 
And just to piggyback on, on your point, Micah, it's, I was reminded of it. I'm reading Pride and Discipline. It's one of like the five books. I just try to read one book at a time and I got caught up. I'm in like several book clubs and you know, I'm reading a book by Greg Justice, who's going to be on my podcast soon. And it's uh, about oh, wow. Jack LaLanne. And, yeah. uh, and, it, and it's all simple stuff, but it's just such a good reminder. We read it in Atomic Habits. We've read it in The Slight Edge. And it's just the power of those small things. Dream big, have big goals, but yep. you uh, you don't reach them with those with those giant steps. You reach them one mm -hmm. small step at a time, and it really adds up. It compounds, and it's amazing how well it works. You already know that if you've been working on your goals, but just keep at it, and um, and that's what I have for you. Yeah, I forgot to give my contact info, so you can find me on Instagram at Micah Logan One, M I C A H Logan One, and uh, MeldFranchise.com too. So, uh, Billy, as always, it was a pleasure. Um, you started, so I'll end it. And so, um, check out, um, uh, Billy's podcast, your fitness money coach. Correct. Your fitness money coach or the common sense podcast for Billy and Micah. We will see you later, um, on one of our next podcasts. And we're going to have part three of this conversation. In fact, we're probably going to talk every quarter now. I think <laughs> we have something to say <laughs> about everything. Absolutely. All right. Take care y'all. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of The Common Sense Show, hosted by Micah Logan. The producer for The Common Sense Show is Paul Logan. To reach out to Micah and The Common Sense Show, talk to us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Just search The Common Sense Show. And if you enjoy the show, please don't forget to rate and or review us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Thank you for listening.